Welcome from Victim to Victory to our podcast. I am Miss Mary, your host and holistic wellness coordinator. Our mission is to share good news. You are not a victim. You are victorious. You can live a full, good life victoriously. We help people navigate from victim to victory by empowerment, encouraging you to live your best life. Simply put, encouragement and empowerment are our business. And this is what we do. Greetings and welcome to From Victim to Victory podcast episode 38. I am Miss Mary, your host and holistic wellness coordinator. Our mission is to share good news. You're not a victim. You are victorious and you can live an abundant life victoriously. We help people navigate from victim to victory by empowerment through education, which we do on this weekly podcast, encouraging everyone to live their best life by possessing the holistic approach, making a lifestyle of positively feeding spirit, mind, and body. Simply put, encouragement and empowerment are our business. And this is what we do. All righty, it's prayer time. Precious Father, thank you once again for another opportunity to come before you, God. We give you all the glory. We give you the honor and praise. Thank you, Father God, for every listener, Father God, that has joined us. Father, we thank you for our guest today. Father, we just praise you. And thank you, Lord, that once again you give us another opportunity to give, get more knowledge and wisdom about taking care of these temples, Father God, in a way that is pleasing to you. We praise you for helping us to become better listeners and doers, not just listeners, but we are doing better at taking care of our bodies as well. Thank you for every family represented, Father. We praise you, Lord, for providing every provision, Father God, and taking care of every need, Father God. We thank you and we praise you, Father, and we so excited that we won't leave this line this this podcast the way we came but we will leave with more wisdom and knowledge bless everyone and thank you father god once again and we give you all the glory and use us for your glory move us out of the way have your way holy spirit that we might be all that you call us to be and be a blessing to these listeners today in jesus name we pray amen amen Amen. Amen. Oh, oh, bless you. Praise God. We got to give him all the praise. All righty. Yes. All right. Yes. Yes. All the time. Truly. He's worthy. Okay. Um, To our listeners, I just want to say thank you. I want to start by saying thank you once again to our listeners for tuning in to the podcast. And as I said, I know you won't leave the way you came. Uh, how, you know, because how do you ask and how do you know that Miss Mary? Well, because you're going to leave, as I said, with more knowledge than what you have at this moment, at this very moment, you are going to leave with more knowledge. So with that being said, I always love to remind my listeners and, um, if you are new 
I always remind you to grab a pen and paper and uh, well, your computer tablet or whatever it is you can take some good notes on. Because once again, this is an educational podcast. So let's make sure we do that. Okay. All righty. Well, listeners, I am ecstatic about our guest that I have joining me today. He is part of my church family. And he and his lovely wife are also uh, my Mercy Ministry. You all heard me talk about Mercy Ministry. And then um, I've had one of my other Mercy Ministries on joining me. So he and his lovely wife, as I was going to say, are also uh, my ministry members uh, for the Mercy Ministry as well. And he is a very busy man. So uh, my regular, let me just get this out of the way because my regular listeners already know um, most of the time I'll introduce my guests with their bio, but I didn't ask my guest today for his bio. So um, it's not going to be like that today. So I'm just going to allow him. I want him to introduce himself. And I want to, first of all, welcome Mr. Ian Ash, who's joining us on the podcast today. And um, Ian, I want to start by telling you, let me get this out the way, because I say this to my first time, get with their first time. Um, I always tell the first time uh, when it's their first time that, uh, it won't be your last time. All right, all right. <laughs> yes, right. And I was just giving to say the next thing is welcome to the Victory Team because you know you're part of the Victory family now. <laughs> you certainly are. Yes, you are. So, um, okay, now let's let's get started this conversation. First, um, I'm going to ask you, as I said, to start off and tell us a little bit more about Mr. Ian Ash, okay? Okay, <laughs> okay. Well, again, Mary, thank you, you know, to the listeners. Thank you all for uh, allowing me to be on this platform uh, this afternoon. And who I am, I'm pretty much, uh, background is in social welfare, uh, Masters prepared in social work, uh, transitioned out of the healthcare system a few years ago, back in '04, and that's when I made my transition to the industry that I'm in now and have been ever since I transferred over in the industry of hospice and end-of-life care. I am a uh, presently for the company Magnolia Hospice. Uh, I'm the administrator have been working here uh, with this operation since October 2017. And we've been able over the years to uh, not only provide in-home hospice care for patients requiring uh, pain or symptom management in their primary residences or wherever they call home, but we've also been able to open up just about three locally, three freestanding inpatient hospice units uh, to provide care to patients with advanced uh, terminal uh, diagnoses. Um, my social work background uh, really lean on quite a bit because I get involved with my patients, even though I'm on the administrative side, but I still enjoy the bedside, you know, mm-hmm. being there 
and really bringing my ministry, uh, just as Mary just mentioned, you know, the mercy ministry that we're both part of is really near and dear to both of us. So having the opportunity to be for prayer, even though not be the uh, chaplain, we do have a chaplain that's part of our care team. But when I'm in there, it's sometimes the families just need a prayer. The patient may need a prayer, and especially during these last few months of COVID, where families aren't able to be at the bedside with their loved one. My staff, myself, you know, our, some of our volunteers, we pretty much had to, to stand, you know, in, in place uh, for the family members that aren't able or weren't able to be at the bedside with their loved ones. Mm-hmm. That is that is awesome. Um and you are, Ian, you are so uh, amazing. That's one of the things I'm going to share my testimony um, with the listeners, actually, why. Um, and we've had this conversation. We talked about um, hospice um, and, and educating that we need more education on um, hospice. And um, so our topic today, listeners, is comfort and care through hospice is what I have um, titled our conversation today. So um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, like I said, I'm gonna share um, my experience. Um, in the last few, I had an experience with one of my uh, residents at work. You all know I talk about my workplace, and um, so Ian. Um, the way we got to this this conversation actually today that we having is um, very recently, week before last, I had a resident that um, had gotten a diagnosis. And when she uh, shared her diagnosis with me, um, her wishes was that she was um, she just wanted to be uh, alone with her um, she, family. She didn't want to be in the hospital. She didn't want any treatment. She wanted to be alone with her family. And I understood that. And it is always my desire to uh, make sure that my residents or anyone else, um, you know, we uh, try to honor their request as much as possible. So as the time progressed, she was going back and forth to the hospital and, of course, in the hospital, in this hospice seasons, we know that um, family, you're not able to visit, you know. So one of the things that that really concerned me, and then, like I said, she was coming back. She was going back and forth um, to the hospital. And um, so we always, you know, we want to make it, make uh, the family comfortable for the family as well as the resident, the patient. And um, it was, we had to move fast. We really had to move fast. And um, just to show the whole situation, I could see God working in the whole situation uh, with this situation. So, and it's very key and important to to always be listening and follow the spirit. And so that was what I did. And so I contact, I spoke to um, the family member, her caretaker, about um, the situation and her. I was able to go up, and that's, it's important too, I tell people this all the time, it's good if you can put your eyes on people. Don't even take other people's word 
another person's word. You need to put your eyes on uh, the person because people can tell you anything over the phone. And that's that's how she was. I would call to check, and when I would get her, she would say, oh, I'm doing fine. But that particular day, I remember having the conversation, that particular day when I finally got her on the phone that morning, she said, oh, I'm doing fine. And then she said, no, I'm not, Miss Mary. I'm not feeling good. So, but once again, I was able, and I had called back later, but I wasn't able to get through. And then her family member, the caretaker, came over, and I heard his voice. And when I heard him, I jumped in. And so I followed him up, and he was there. And as I walked in, I recognized something. I could see that that her her body had started to shut down. So immediately um, I, I spoke to them about uh, the hospice program, asking them, were they familiar? And ironically, he said, yes, someone's on the way to talk to me about it. I said, okay, I'm waiting for it. I had already, because I finally asleep. That morning I had started calling and I was texting Ian. And so um, I told him I was expecting a call back. And I went to my office, and so I, I called again, and, and he asked his phone. And so <laughs> we started talking, and the um, relative, as I was talking, as, as Ian and I was talking about it, the relative called. And um, he was, I could hear it in his voice. He was really sounding desperate. And I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I'm on the phone with him now. And so I gave him the information, asked him the cost, and he's waiting for you to call. So everything just worked out. Like I said, God just worked everything about Ian to move really fast, and they was able to get her uh, at their facility, and everything um, went well. Um, the family was able to visit, and um, she she transitioned on um, last, actually a, a, day, a week from today, actually. Yes, so yeah. we were just thankful, and uh, the family, he was very pleased. Her caretaker was very pleased and uh, spoke about how he said several times, actually every time I talked to him and, and followed up with him, he still was expressing uh, how much he appreciated the way that everything was handled. So that's how we got to this conversation today about because a lot of people aren't um, educated on hospice. They, when you say hospice, I was sharing with Ian that in my last property that I worked seven years full time, um, whenever um, one of the duties of the service coordinator is to invite um, service providers in to educate the residents. And so Oh, wow, it would be uh, challenging for a uh, hospice because I, I, I learned, though, I could not put hospice on my flyer. If I was having a hospice <laughs> presenter come in, I would say just what my title was today. That's what I thought of today. It brought right, back memory. Right. I said, okay, I would say comfort and care. That's what right. I. That's how I would present it to him. Otherwise, I knew it wouldn't. It wouldn't be in there. Anybody there except for me and maybe a couple of re- right, <laughs> residents. Right. So we're having this conversation today because once again, hospice to me is such a wonderful um, organization, a wonderful program, and so we want you know we want to share that information um, with people today. So. Um, Ian, I'm going to ask. I'm going to, I'm going to ask this question. I'm going to start off with asking sure. this question. Um, so, what 
uh, illnesses. Tell us what illnesses and um, diseases, well, I guess I should say diagnosis, can qualify right. someone for the hospice program. Right, and that's a good question because oftentimes when we think about hospice and exactly what you just described as the situation and scenario you just described, when hospice comes in at times, it's, it may be a matter of hours, can be a matter of days, sometimes it's a matter of minutes where the patient's diagnosis is advanced and up under the Medicare and hospice pretty much is covered under uh, any of the patient, any of our Medicare Part A, Medicaid, private insurance plans also cover hospice. Oftentimes you may see, uh, we may see patients that are on senior advantage plans, Humana, Kaiser, Blue Cross, whenever a patient elects that's over the age of 65 elects their hospice benefit, it automatically, that insurance automatically converts back to their standard Medicare, which is a Part A. As far as the diagnosis or the diagnoses that we look for, again, when we hear the term hospice, oftentimes it's, well, I don't have cancer. Mm -hmm. That's not my diagnosis. So we try to explain to them that it's not only for the diagnosis of hospice, it's end stage, but we're looking at whether it be cancer of any type, whether if it's congestive heart failure. Mm -hmm. And always when I view a patient, I'm looking at the entire body Mm -hmm. from the head all the way down. So if you start from the head, neurologically, it can be anything from end stage Alzheimer's. It can be MS. It can be Parkinson's. You know, so when you're thinking in terms of the brain and uh, how the brain works or functions, these are the different, the top three that we see diagnoses, muscular dystrophy, where it's a, a different medical condition that's now to the point that's progressed, that medicine or medical intervention is no longer an option, or the patient is at a point that they do not want or is not seeking aggressive or curative care. You then move down where it can be end-stage heart, or where we say end-stage congestive heart failure. If it's pulmonary, that's where we say in terms of end-stage lung disease, where the, and I always don't like using the term disease. I Mm -hmm. look more so in terms of advanced medical condition. So there's not that negative uh, connotation to it in terms of, well, there's something wrong with me. No. These are systems that sometimes things occur that, whether it be by age or sometimes we've had younger patients where it's cirrhosis of the liver, where they have end-stage liver uh, or advanced liver breakdown, where there's really not much else that can be done even at their young age, and especially if the physician is feeling a, uh, whether it be heart, lung, liver, transplant, unfortunately, is not an option. So we look at it in terms of these different diagnoses that someone may be uh, diagnosed with. And up under the Medicare program, we then look at not only the diagnosis, but now we're looking at the prognosis. Mm -hmm. So you have a patient that is diagnosed with an end-stage medical and advanced medical condition that Medicare guidelines state that if that condition would have run its normal run its normal course that it's possible that that patient may 
uh, transition or expire within a six-month or less time frame. Mm -hmm. Again, we're going by what medicine says, and I understand they're the clinicians, but always dependent on the patient's belief systems, always focusing on, well, the ultimate physician is still on the case. So you look at it in terms of it's, 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 and, and I get it. At times we have to be careful because there are some patients that we come in or families we come into contact with that their belief systems are not, you know, in terms mm -hmm. of, uh, but we approach it where they are and we try to explain it as best as we can that they understand that I, me personally, in the years that I've been in hospice, there have been patients that I've taken on that the physicians would say, Ian, the patient is not going to live longer than, or they're not going to get them to the inpatient unit. And looking at them at the hospital, yes, I would would have agreed to that, but there are patients that I've seen that for whatever reason, and we know at the time what the reason is, because there's nothing miraculous that the staff are doing. We're just providing comfort, care, and pain support but there have been times where patients that came in and they rallied, you know, and they were able to maybe sit up on the edge of a bed. They eventually transitioned, but it's not with what everyone thought of the patient coming in initially and going as quickly as everyone sometimes uh, seemed to think. So I look at it in terms of if they're diagnosed with these conditions that are advanced cases, that there's nothing that uh, medical intervention can do to stop or slow down the progression of the condition, they meet criteria. The basic guideline that Medicare or the statement that Medicare gives to all hospice providers is a patient has to have an advanced medical condition that if the condition runs its normal course, that the patient may transition within a six-month or less time frame. There are three benefit periods up under the hospice program. There's an initial 90-day benefit period. There's a second 90-day benefit period. That makes up the six months that Medicare says that if the condition runs its course, then it's possible that that patient may transition within that six-month or less time frame. But there, when we hear and we read that sentence to families or patients, if they're with it, it's almost as if is a shutdown because they don't hear the remainder of the sentence. The sentence carries on to read and say, but there is also an unlimited 60-day benefit period that the patient, if their condition continues to exist, will continue to meet criteria. So I say that to say no one knows, and I know Medicare has given us the guidelines, but no one truly knows when anyone is going to leave this earth exactly. but God. Exactly. Exactly. So, we yeah. approach it from that standpoint. Okay. Now, Ian, let me ask you this. Did that change? Is that, did those guidelines change? And I asked you that because I was sharing with you, um, and it's been some year, probably about six years ago. Your yeah, time moves fast because I've been gone from probably four years now. But I remember two of my residents and one of them, I remember her saying, she said, well, I don't, I didn't have the hospice program anymore. So, cause I used to joke right. about, oh, they kicked you out. So is six right. months, is that still, or did she just, right. like you it said. Still remain, mm -hmm. And it's six months, but I always tell my families and my patients, the diagnosis haven't gone anywhere. Cause right. when you come on today, six months later, five and a half months later, five months 
30 days or 29 days or 28 days later, the diagnosis haven't gone anywhere. What Medicare is looking for is have there been, and always the, the best way or one of the ways I try to present it to my families and the patients is it's almost like a circle. If you're on hospice, the, the circumference or that circle should shrink because you're looking at what were they able to do I don't know, a month ago or two months ago that they're not able to do today. And then a month from now or 45 days from now, what were they able to do in October that they're not able to do in November or coming into December? It needs to shrink because Medicare, once again, when we compare ourselves to home health, home health, when a nurse comes out, a therapist comes out, it's based on a skill. You have, I'm coming out to teach the patient how to walk, I'm teaching the patient or the family how to perform vital signs. I'm providing wound care maybe. But the goal in that is that they meet the skill because that's when they graduate and they come off the program. Mm -hmm. With hospice, even though we have similar disciplines that are or team members that's coming out to the home, it's not necessarily in terms of a when we say or use the term a patient graduated, it's only because, yes, they have – the diagnosis haven't gone anywhere. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we have patients that come out, come on service that are terminally ill, and after a six, seven, eight month, even sometimes a year time frame, they move from terminally ill to chronically stable. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not anything to say that they cannot come back onto service because during each of the different benefit periods, the patient can either revoke what we call like a revocation, that's the patient's doing. Mm -hmm. The patient may say, you know, I don't want this anymore. You know, uh, I was, for example, a patient that's end-stage kidney disease or end-stage renal that was receiving dialysis and for whatever reason said, I'm tired of this. I don't want to be on dialysis anymore. There's really nothing else that the physicians can do. So, yes, they would be a candidate for hospice, because it's now taken away something that was a maintenance to now more comfort mm-hmm. and palliation or palliative care. But there are patients that may say after a month or two, no, I want to go back on, or I want, I've heard of this uh, experimental medication or drug, I want to try it. My thing is, when you think of patient electing this benefit, it's an election, and that's it. They're not locked in. To anything mm-hmm. they're not locked into the company they're not locked into that one provider mm-hmm. each time during the benefit period they can transfer once during the benefit period or they can revoke at any time but there are also times where the hospice agency may say and this is more so on the nurses because every 14 days the care team we meet and who comprise the care team is the medical or the hospice medical director you have the registered nurse the licensed practical nurse, the hospice aide, the social worker, chaplain, and the volunteer. Each of those disciplines play a vital role where the nurse or the nurses, they're charged with seeing the patient on a weekly basis, depending, and sometimes it may fluctuate, but they see a patient on a weekly basis. They're responsible for making certain the patient's medications are in order, if new meds need to be reordered, they're getting the refills for that. They're checking the patient's vitals. 
So they're handling that clinical piece. Mm -hmm. The hospice aid assists with the bathing and dressing. Sometimes we have patients that are bedridden. We have some that are able to get up to the edge of the bed or get to the bathroom. The aides assist with that activities of daily living. The social worker and chaplain, and with my background being social work, I still get involved with my families because when I come out to the home, even though I'm coming as a hospice provider, I'm still coming to see, are there any other needs that can benefit or support that family member to make certain make certain their care is being uh, provided and everyone is being covered? And it's not just for the focus of, well, we're only here to see the patient. No, we're here to see everyone. Mm -hmm. And it's the collective to provide that support. And that the is one position, of the... Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sorry, Ian. I was just going to say no, that no, is go, one of that is one of the things that I love. The benefits is having that team, that that key, all of that. This include you get the social worker, you get the camp, the um, chaplain. I mean, you have the nurses. You have I mean, just everything you get um, with under the hospice care. And to me, that is so. Uh, amazing and it's, and it's needed you know it's needed so that is one of the great benefits and I love uh, about the hospice program I just wanted exactly. to say that exactly without it's, you it's having a, to go collective support right mm -hmm. right without you having to go through so much red tape like you know once again if you I, I have several residents we're working on getting um assistance you know they need home care and and then uh, if they go to the hospital well you don't have all of that but you you know you need it and it's right. so much red it's so much red tape and waiting lists and I mean so once again it's just a great um that's the benefit and you get that when you're in the hospice program it's you know it automatically comes it's, that's one of the great benefits of, of the hospice exactly. program exactly mm -hmm. exactly um, one thing I would like to share, though, that uh, for the operations where we, for Magnolia Hospice, where we operate, we're a local provider based out of Conyers, Georgia. We have our patient base in the communities. We service a 50-mile radius of uh, Rockdale County. We have an inpatient, a 12-bed uh, inpatient unit that's located uh pretty much just down the street from Piedmont Rockdale uh, Hospital. We have a second unit that we opened up in December of uh, 2018 that's located down in Riverdale, Georgia. And most recently, probably in the last month, I would say, we opened up a third installation out in Austell, Georgia. Um, and the last program we're working on now is down in Macon, Georgia. So we try to put units where the state have allowed us, and by the grace of God, really, because what they have allowed us really haven't been a big push, I guess, in the state of Georgia, it seems. But they allowed us what we call a dual license. We can provide services to patients uh, that are really critical in terms of their needing symptom management and pain management at, uh, at our units. But they also issued us a dual license where we have patients that are now for example, if a patient that was living in a senior high-rise maybe or an assisted living facility that the facility feels that it's no longer safe or that patient is now bedridden, they're falling a lot, they're requiring heavy doses of pain medication, 
that's not a safe environment. They now allow where the patient can actually move into our uh, inpatient units where we provide what we call residential hospice services. Mm -hmm. So they still meet criteria for hospice. Medicare, Medicaid, private insurance reimburses for that. So just as they were paying privately at their, whether it be their rent, their mortgage, or their, uh, if it's an assisted living facility, whatever their rental fees are, that's be an option, being that it's being paid out of pocket, where we work with them at our different units to pretty much just to suit whatever the patient's uh, income um, needs are or limitations are, we're able to accommodate especially being that we have three facilities locally. Mm, and that so is it's just so, been a, a huge help. Yeah, and that is so, that that is amazing. That's a, that is wonderful. And I was looking at, um, I know, uh, Ian, you sent me the um, information. I was checking out the pictures, and I was like, okay, this looks like a hotel. So, <laughs> <laughs> so really, yeah, it's really nice. Um, I was looking at the facility, and you sent me all three of the locations. So, yeah, right, really right. nice. It really, really looks like a nice, um, nice facilities. I'm sure they are. Um, Magnolia and Conyers, I pass by it all the time, and from the outside, it just right. looks like a big family house to me. You know it. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It, you know, as best we can anyway. Yeah. You know, it's it just changed ever since COVID. But prior to that, you know, we'll have folks, you know, whether it be the students coming over from the local high schools or, or middle school and, you know, from the church and they come mm-hmm. in and play the, you know, one of the owners, Daniel, he plays the piano. Um, mm-hmm. And we have piano. Yeah, I see the piano. Location, uh-huh. So. He he will get in there, and it's just it's it's great to see where you sometimes have uh, the patients that are you know advanced cases of Alzheimer's that you can get into a hymn mm-hmm. and you just to see them tap or to mm-hmm. see them wiggling there. Yeah, that we take them back. You know, yeah. so it's just a beautiful sight. Yeah, nothing like that music. And one of the other things that I love and and made it so uh, great and really warmed my heart, and that was my. Um, when I, I remembered um, what she said to me, she said, I wanted to, she said, I just want to be in peace and I want to spend time with my family. So that really right. touched my heart. And um, you guys were able to provide that even though, you know, uh, one person at a time, but you know, it, it's right. at least um, they, they had that time together. Where in the hospital, it would have been totally different um, during right. this COVID season. So, um so it, it was just amazing um and, and yeah and I, i'm just grateful that you know we had an opportunity to try and help um mm-hmm. you know I, I was just grateful to you so that's that's definite so um but yeah hospice is a wonderful um program and i want um people to know that because normally um and my listeners know i don't usually do a deal in the medical because we we talk about holistic um wellness um and feeding the spirit mind and body and so we teach (laughs) holistically we don't talk about the meds too much we're trying to get people off the meds But um, once again, um, hospice is a great program and it's just we just need to be educated and know that because, you know, when I when the program started and I found out many years ago um, with my dad, I was sharing with um, you 
as well, Ian. Um, that's when I found about uh, found out about hospice, and um, my dad went home in 2000. But it was like about six. We had about six, seven years after his diagnosis with him, and um, we were introduced to the hospice program. And I, I just couldn't imagine my. I was here, and I had my older sister at home. But once again, um, it was just amazing um, to have that program. It really, really, uh, they stepped in and helped so much um, with my mom. Uh, supporting her, um, being the caregiver for my dad. So, um, and, you know, people, unfortunately, when hospice came on the scene, they just dealt with uh, cancer patients. And it's amazing how the negativity sticks, you know, because it's changed so much. It's changed so much. And and, and it's a a fair factor there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. You know, because just like you experienced, they had a personal experience with it. You know, uh, like I said, my first exposure well, not well. Personal exposure, you know, is with my grandmother. You know, it started mm-hmm. back in '04, and then in '05, she came down with cancer, and you know, that I had the opportunity to kind of step back and allow the staff to do what I've been so used to doing with other family members I've been in contact with, where they were able to take me, and I was just allowed to be, you know, grandchild, grandson, and not try to be well this needs to be done, that needs to be done. I, I had the opportunity, my family had the opportunity just to focus on her, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to see it from that side or those through those lens, when I'm speaking to my, even to this day, when I'm speaking to my family members or patients and they're uneasy and you sense the uneasiness, I'm able at least to bring it and make it more personal. And you don't try mm-hmm. to share too much you want to be you don't want to bring your stuff right and right. you know to a family but when it's appropriate so at least they know okay this is not as horrible as you think even in cases of patients that really need this level of care the fear involved is like no and then what we wind up what wind up occurring when we do get involved and in it's more so in a crisis and mm-hmm. we have to act quickly, which is fine, because that's mm-hmm. what the programs are there for. But what I find is the patient and the family, when it's in a crisis mode, they mm-hmm. haven't had the opportunity to uh, deal with, you know, the patient being diagnosed, the learner of a diagnosis. Now you need to choose a program or a provider. And guess what? You know, the, if it's the patient is in a hospital, you need to decide and decide quickly. Exactly. So we try as best to educate. As I know it's a difficult subject area, but try to educate the community. Mm-hmm. So at least they know these things are available. It may not be for me or for my loved one, but it may be a friend or a colleague or a church member or whatever the case is. The best way we can get the information out. So I just prefer you have the information and not need it that need it and don't know what exactly. to do. Exactly. I say that all the time, and that is so, it's so important. Uh, so right. true, Ian. Now, I'm going to ask you um, my last, last question, and it is the, sure. it's the hard one. <laughs> sure. No, sure. really, it's not. Uh, I'm just messing with you. Really, this is the easy one for you. Um, there are a lot of hospice agencies. I know that. And um, in right. these days, they're needed. Um, but yeah. tell yeah. my listeners why they should pick if they had to, to pick um, if they were in a situation and they needed 
um, the hospice program for a loved one or for someone, um, why should they pick your agents? What makes what makes you all so unique from all the others? Um, really, what stands out for me it's the staff. You know, the staff that we employ are individuals in the field and individuals in the industry who truly want to be here. We don't, we're never at a rush to hire anyone. Mm -hmm. We take our time and make sure it's the right fit because this is a specialty. Just like going to any physician's practice or any program, it's a specialty and we need special individuals that understand the the level of care Mm -hmm. this requires to ensure because when you think about it, we're talking about hospice. It's mm-hmm. very few patients. There are patients that sometimes stabilize and, and as we say, come off service, but mm-hmm. that's not the norm. Mm-hmm. So we want to ensure whoever is part of the team, from the aide go all the way up to the physician staff or the medical staff, are folks who truly, you know, believe in a ph- philosophy, mm-hmm. but believe in making certain that the patient and family's needs, you know, are being met. One other thing that I feel or or offering that I feel separates us from a number of the other providers that are out there, with the three locations that we have locally, there are just about 18 or 19 different providers that contract with us for uh, usage of our facilities or bed space, if you will, only because they do not have their own unit. So mm-hmm. when you look at in the state of Georgia, I think they're about 20, I think it's, about, it's down to 22, I believe, 22 hospice providers that have an operation in a freestanding inpatient unit, and we operate three of them. Mm-hmm. So when you think about for the entire state where this need is so much so that Uh, When we look at in terms of the ability based on where our units sit, we have the ability and the flexibility that we're able to provide care to the patients wherever they may reside. But if it comes down to it that they require uh, care in an inpatient type setting, we have our own. We don't, and the way I look at that, even though we provide contracts to a number of different providers, if our patient, one of our home patients, needs the bed, our, and there's only one bed, our patient takes precedent. Our patient takes a priority. So when we say in terms of what sets us apart, you know, my, my staff, the leadership, we're not part of a huge chain, even though we're operating uh, three and soon to be four different programs. Mm-hmm. I don't have to go through all the red tape just to get something done or the staff don't have to go through meetings just to meet, just to get something done, who we need to deal with and speak to if they're not able to get it from the clinical management or from myself as far as the operational side of things. The two individuals are local. They're from the area. Both are from Covington and Oxford. And they believe in what it is we do and have been doing for years. And it's really not to the degree where I have to jump through, or the staff have to jump through so much hoops just to make the needs of the patients or address the needs of the patients. It's It really comes naturally. Wonderful. Wonderful. And I hear, and as I listen to you talk, 
um, I was just thinking is patient-centered care. Because you know, a lot of Correct. times in the 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 hospitals and assisted living, it's a it's a um, the persona is it's a root you know it's like a routine and but and but everyone is different every patient is different so right. you give that that based on that patient you know you, right. you're caring based on the patient's needs and and it's not a, a time schedule and you, you can't do that but once right. again it's it's patient centered and not only the patient but the family as well. right. And not just the business. And I understand it is a business that we need, mm-hmm. you know, to, there are things that we've done. And just like any, you know, other hospice provider out there, I'm not saying we're the only ones doing this, but there are cases sometimes it may be a patient that's uninsured or doesn't have coverage. Mm-hmm. We're not basing what we do off of what you have. It's based on what is our availability at the time when that need comes. So we try to look at it in terms of how else can we help, you know, there have been patients that did not have uh, funeral arrangements in place. And that's where, again, the social worker and the chaplain Mm -hmm. get involved when our family members or when our patients are admitted. We're actually engaging the family to see, well, once again, and that's why I say with the time that the hospice has to spend with that patient, it's allowing that family time to prepare for what's coming. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times, oftentimes, family members getting this, this bit of news and now you have a hospice agency coming in, they, have, they haven't had time to think about, well, okay, I don't have a, a funeral policy or financial mm-hmm. planning in place. Mm-hmm. I don't have, you know, insurance mm-hmm. for that. And mm-hmm. now you, you pull a lot of these factors in where we can then work with the different funeral homes or cremation societies that we work with locally that work with us and say, you know what, you've, you've, the last time you referred someone, they were able to have their policy in place. Okay, this person mm-hmm. doesn't have any coverage. Okay, we, together we can try and figure it out and work. And we have been able uh, to go to the owners of the company and say, hey, what can, because we don't have a foundation, but really when we have that need, they are the foundation that I go to. So it's like, how can you assist? And they've assisted. So it's things that we try to do in our community that based on what we're serving and it's to me it's and as i'll say this and mary i know you know this too but it's it's really a ministry oh yeah it's truly to oh. be honest with you a ministry and i think yes with our approach from that standpoint of it being a ministry of the leadership seeing it as a ministry and not just as a business and mm-hmm. money 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 and whatever the case is but you do it and you do it right, you'll continue to be blessed. Yes, yes, that is so true. And absolutely, absolutely, it's a ministry. And um, when you were talking about not, some people not necessarily having, um, especially the policies right. and that type thing in order, because mm-hmm. um, that's one of the things my listeners know, I'm a big advocate kit for we educate on that having your uh your advanced directives in order your living will your last will and testament but Mm -hmm. in a lot of cases you don't you don't that's not the case they don't have it together so they don't have it and and it's things that they get hit with you know last minute so it's like what what do you do you know Mm -hmm. when you when you get the that that message 
how do you prepare? And oftentimes they do not have time to prepare because when their patient is coming from the hospital, the doc is now delivering, you know, these difficult news. And now you have to make a second decision. Okay, which hospice provider you want? Well, I didn't know I had this diagnosis, much less which hospice provider. I, I, so it's a lot. Exactly. Yeah, it's a lot. To, to absorb. Mm -hmm. So we just try to assist and meet them wherever they are. And, and hold their hand as we go through, wonderful. you know, this this journey together. Wonderful, wonderful. And it's, it's so needed that you have the chaplain and the the counselors and everything yes. that you need there because mm -hmm. that is needed. Um, not on, not just for the patient, but for the family as well. Exactly. And um, exactly. one of the sweet things, too, is that even after um, the loved one has transitioned, the patient has right. transitioned, you get that. How long is it? I, it seemed like it's, it was um, about six weeks or sometime. Yeah, like, I remember um, like my 13, mom. Um, yeah, so we followed uh, 13 months after uh, the patient, well, followed the family 13 months after the patient. Wow. Uh, and sometimes it can be extended because from mm -hmm. the bereavement standpoint, we've dealt with families or mm -hmm. loved ones who, Mm -hmm. have had repeated losses mm. throughout that patient's, even before it's coming into the fold. So the chaplain and her volunteer chaplains, that's being assessed when the patient is first, and the family's being assessed when the patient is first admitted to determine, okay, are they high risk, low risk, you know, medium risk? And based on the risk factors, that's where we, where that 13-month period can be extended in some cases because, like I said, when we're dealing with a family, you know, five months, six months, especially mm -hmm. with AIDS, they become part of the family. So mm -hmm. they're still following up with them, you know, checking in on them, you know, and, and that's fine because we want to make sure, just like we tell them when we're coming in, we want to, yes, we may be coming in as a stranger, but when we leave, at leaving as friends and family, that you want to make sure they have that support mm -hmm. as they, cause when that person is gone. Now, they're, especially if it's an elderly spouse mm -hmm. and he or she are by themselves now, it's, you know, however we can be that's, and connect them with what's available in the community. Mm -hmm. So we try to connect them as best they can because we know once hospice comes into the fold, that patient, if the condition runs its course, is not going to be there. So how do you prepare them for what's coming? Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, Ian, a lot of great, a lot of great information, and I'm thankful, so thankful we had this conversation. Now, before you go, now we talked about the different locations, um, and I yep. usually give my, I usually give my guests uh, uh, ad time. I call it that little commercial break. You told us about your other locations. You sort of did, but like me, uh, if I need to, I want to call Ian. So. <laughs> Right, give, right. <laughs> give them your uh, contact information, sure. you know, if they're needing um, you all services, um, how they can contact you directly. Yes, and, and, and directly, and I prefer direct because, mm -hmm. you know, that's the best way for me because I'm all over the place. But my, once again, it's Ian Ash, spelled I-A-N, last name A-S-H, with Magnolia Hospice. And my contact um, direct dial, uh, and I always have it uh, with me, it's 678-467-3976. That's my cell phone. And if for some reason uh, needed to the unit itself, the office number in Conyers 
is 770-483-9111. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nae. And you can hang around with me if you want to. And if you have to go, I'll understand. I just want to thank you so much once again for coming, sharing, and um, educating us on a hospice program and the wonderful uh, program and, and that you all have. And I know, I know that you're doing uh, a wonderful, uh, a great job. And so we so appreciate you. Um, and you. the people that each community that you all have expanded to now are really blessed um, yeah, to have you, you all in their area. So, um, guys, so, you know, once again, um, our goal from victim to victory is to help you live your life victoriously and uh, quality feel life even as you go to the end of, of life uh, here on this earth. Um, and we have great people like Ian come and share with you and empower you um, with all this wonderful knowledge. And we have so many resources, you know, that that are there for you in uh, such a dynamic team. And God is truly expanding it. He keeps expanding our team. Yeah. I have great men and women on the team. Um, and, and as I say, um, it, it keeps growing. And to come and share our knowledge and wisdom uh, with us. And they're professionals. Once again, you can see they're always professionals and experts in the area. And we're educating in the area, of course, um, spiritual wellness, emotional and mental wellness, physical wellness, and pre-planning, which we talked about. I, we need to have our insurance and yeah. and um, the policies in place, and then our living uh, will and last will and, and testament in place. Um, you have all these great assets to help us live that abundant life uh, that we we talk about that, that Jesus died for. He great he gave us his life so that we might have eternal life. You know he went to bat for us, and so that's very important. And I always remind my listeners and everyone else, if you're listening, that is the first part of our program in order for you to live that abundant life. Um, that's the first step is receiving that wonderful gift that God has given us, uh, his precious son, as your Lord and Savior. Um, and he's he's just waiting for you. You know, he's all around waiting for you to receive because the gift was for all of us. He died for yeah. all of us. And, um, you know, as I love so much, John 10, 10, that's our foundational scripture, actually, um, Ian, that this this uh, great ministry that God uh, envisioned and entrusted me with is his vision is uh, John 10, 10. You know, the devil came to kill, steal and destroy. But Jesus said, I came so that you might have abundant life. And so for us to not to receive it, I always say, you know, it, that's not me because I'm not going to let Jesus life for me be in vain. So um, I encourage you today, if you have not made that step, uh, that is the step to take and, um, hey, change your life um, so that you will have eternal life. Um, and that's the greatest, that is the greatest decision you will ever make. So 
Um, thanks again, um, Ian. Thank you, my listeners. And you know, as I always remind you each week, and we have to share. And this this podcast is so key and so important because once again. Uh, Many people are not educated um, in many cultures, are not educated on um, the hospice program, which is a wonderful program. Guys, so I just want to remind you, you know, we do our podcast um, upload on Tuesdays on Anchor, and um, there are others, so many other. We upload on Anchor, though, but you now can find us also on Spotify, Apple, Google, and there are others. I can't keep up <laughs> with all of them, but I always say the easiest way, once again, is to go. You can go to the website, and that's the quickest way, um, and just um, put in the, our website. is from Victim2, the number 2, Victory llc.com and then you're going to see at the menu at the top it's just click on or if you're on your phone i know this is at the bottom but (laughs) you just click on um listen to podcasts in the menu and it will take you to um you'll see all those platforms there you click on your choice and so it'll get you there now, guys, I am excited because one week from tomorrow, I can't believe it's gotten here so fast. You know, I've been talking about our virtual holistic wellness fair we've been doing every year. But this will be our first virtual um, fair that we'll be doing on um, next Saturday, the 24th. And the time is going to be from 12 to 3. So I need you guys to go register um, in a simple. You register. There's a $10 registration fee. And you register by just simply uh, Cash App or Zelle. Just make sure you put in the the uh, note. Make a note there that it's for the wellness fair. So um, do that. And um, the code is the dollar sign F. From for from V for victory victim and two the number two and V once again for victory. That is your code for Cash App for Zelle. You're going to use our um, if you want to Zelle your fee, you're going to use our uh, email address, which is diversity173 at gmail.com. Okay, and we also PayPal. However, PayPal is going to cost you $10.69. They have a transaction fee. So that is added in there. And the PayPal code is paypal.me forward slash FV2V. And it's all lowercase um, letters as well. Okay, so, and once again, be sure to note uh, that it's your registration fee for the wellness fair. Okay. Um, because we get other donations, <laughs> you know, we got right. devotional books. Um, we have our faith, faith partners that support us with that, and then also for our caregiver appreciation club. So we um, get other donations. So that's why I want to just remind you to make sure you notate that in um, that little, that little line on there um, that that's put there. Um, and also, if you attend the wellness fair. I have um, our partners, which is uh, Edible Arrangements. Um, they they also, that's where we do our caregiver appreciation. We send out the little token for them each month. They are joining us. They are going to give each um, participant, whoever attends, a 25% discount. And um, Mr. we've teamed up with the Stonecrest, Mr. Perry 
Cole is the owner of Stonecrest, the edible arrangements. But the great news is, and with the virtual uh, wellness fair, we go all over the world. So <laughs> even if it's another edible, you're located in another state, you'll still be able, uh, Paris worked it out where you'll still be able to use that 25% uh, discount wherever you're located um, in the country. Okay. Um, so that's great, and uh, Edible has, has become one of my favorite, well, my, my caregivers, I would say that they love that Edible. Um, we always send the, f- the fresh fruit um, uh, box is what they get, and so they love that, and I uh, really appreciate that, okay? So join us, and um, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be lots of fun. We're going to have some fun, and, and uh, looking forward to it, a great lineup of uh, presenters so be with us for that. And um, guys, I want to remind you once again, when you go to the website, check out our resource center. That's another great reason why I send you there. The resource center is packed with wonderful resources. want to remind you to check out um, My Econ. And um, you know, My Econ is our new wellness company that we've added, and it's packed with so many things. Um, with my econ, with wealth building, we got to think about our generations and uh, home-based businesses. Teaching so many, I'm learning so many things. With uh, and then a store, we have a mall. My econ has a lot, so check out that. And as well, um, we have transitional Tuesdays, so I've trans- transformation Tuesdays. Actually, I invite you to the. Um, the that's when we do we after introduce you to uh the company you get to see the business plan so much information credit credit our repair um oh it's 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 so much uh showing you once again how to get that that big uh money back in your paycheck that you're letting the irs hold the whole year your money (laughs) shifted e-com just just a lot of great information so check them out and then once again if you want to join us on tuesday evening for Transformation Tuesday to look at the, the business plan and just find out so much about my econ. Uh, you can text me or call me uh, at 678-910-4856 for um, that access information. And um, then we have our physical wellness uh, business that I also uh, I am distributing for uh, Exingula. Um, we have our health products um, with them, and also my econ has that too. I'm trying <laughs> trying that down. We got so many different products and stuff going on with my econ, but Exingula, you know, um, is our wellness company once again with uh, Dr. Joy and. Uh, Pastor Kathy and Dr. Uh, Walitha Williams, my, my wellness team, uh, physical wellness team, they are all a part of. So check out Exingula as well. Um, all of those take you, once again, from the Resource Center. You can get to that website as well as you can as my econ website and check them out, guys. All righty, let's see. Is there anything else I need to tell you? Thank you. I want to thank my faith partners once again, as always, for your donations. Um, And remember, guys, um, for the inspirational word text, let me know if you want to be added to that list. You can be added there anytime um, that goes out on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, that word text. Um, And it's great for you to share.
um, with uh, everyone. We love to share that word and we need to, to share it. We want everyone to get that word. So remember that. I want to remind you, I haven't said in a while, but I hope everyone, you will know, I always remind you to check on the seniors. Please check on the seniors. Um, do that that check, uh, wellness check. Check on our seniors, especially during this COVID season. That is so important um, to do a, a call and check on your family, your seniors, and, and whoever that you know that is um elderly okay because you know they're in and trying to stay um, as safe as they can um, during this COVID season so we want to do that okay all righty guys uh let's see I don't want to keep you too long but you know I always love to leave you with an inspirational word and I haven't came from my devotional book in a while but this is so awesome um, I want to share this, and then we're going to be sounding off. And I thought this was great, especially for the goal setters. You know, we all set goals, and goals are so important um, because I'm one, I, I, me, myself. You know, we always setting goals, and like I say, very important. But listen to this. I thought this was great. Um, it says, the way of right living people glow with light. And that's that's what that um, the scripture is Proverbs four eighteen, and its title growth is more important than goals. So listen to this. Phil Cook writes growth growth is what we do with knowledge. Growth is where we take our knowledge, how we apply it, and how we use it in our everyday life. Leadership expert John Maxwell taught me long ago to change my orientation from goals to growth. When he said those words, it was a revelation. I've always learned that goals were important and I tried and tried to use a system of reaching goals, but I'd always struggle with it. I could see that goals motivated lots of people. But reaching goals always left me empty and unsatisfied. But when John showed me how to focus my attention on growth, everything suddenly fell into place. The process taught me that goals are great, but when we reach goal, we're finished. When we reach a goal, we're finished. But with growth, it's a never-ending process. That is so true. Always learning, always moving forward, always achieving. I hope when I reach the end of my life, there will be a couple of good books on my nightstand. I want to learn and grow until my last breath. Look at the people in your circle of friends. Why do, you, why do some, of, some succeed and others seem to stagnate? Why do some move to higher levels of achievement while others stay at the same place for years at a time? Many people blame the system, the company, or their boss. They blame society, their upbringing, or their past. But a lifetime plan for growth can break break through barriers and overcome nearly any obstacle. The Bible puts it like this. The way of right living people glow with light. 
The longer they live, the brighter they shine, and the more they grow. So we need to make sure we are always learning and growing. And continue to set those goals, but once again, focus more, more on the growth than the goal. I thought that was just great. It just gave me a whole new revelation as well. So, guys, I want to leave you with that thought, and I think that's some good information to, to think upon. And um, certainly all that we have heard today and we've been blessed uh, to receive all the knowledge. Once again, we want to say thank thank you, um, Ian and Magnolia um, and all of your new locations. And I know, uh, once again, that you all are a great blessing and will be a great blessing to so many. Okay? Um, thank you. Thank you. Yes, you are so welcome. And thank you. Thank you. I can't thank you enough for everything. Um, so, um, I guess we're sounding off now. Until next week, I am Miss Mary, your From Victim to Victory host and Holistic Wellness Coordinator. You guys be safe. I love you and stay healthy. Peace and blessings. And remember to share, reshare these podcasts um, with everyone. And because, you know, teamwork makes the dream work. We got to get the knowledge out there. So thank you, and I love you. Be blessed. Thank you. You all take care.